Marcus Marcus controls the power and wealth of a vast military and religious empire. Yet one horrific crime threatens to destroy everything in his world. Addled by drugs and grief, Marcus Marcus begins a trans-dimensional journey that will ultimately force him to confront a dark and devastating truth. Chapter 46 Butchered Remains My sleep was deep and almost dreamless. There were occasional disconnected glimpses of dark fears, a sharp blade, long and without scratch or blemish, drifting feathers, some black as night, others white as snow, an arcing cascade of bright blood. But the images passed slow and with little emotional impact. The longest dream held no fear at all. The blackness folded itself around me like the divine cape that hid the children of the Queen of the Universe. The darkness had a physical quality. It felt soft and carry the sweet, warm fragrance of skin and sweat, the scent of Numa. I opened my eyes. Though I was no longer sleeping, I remained for a moment wrapped in a comforting state of somnolence. My drowsiness deepened, and I would have easily let myself sink back into dreamless rest, but for a little flicker of alertness. I looked up at that membrane of sky stretching overhead, grey and ugsome. It was not only the colour and the texture of the sky that was troubling. Though the day was filled with an eerie morning glow, there were no suns to be seen. I sat up and looked down the hill. A green land stretched as far as the eye could see. Here and there were patches of woodland or occasional clusters of trees. In the distance, a silver gash suggested a river. However, the land was silent. No bird called, no cricket chirped, no deer or hound or boar or beast of any sort moved in the landscape. It was silent and it was empty. As if the world was no more real than the painted landscapes one sees in theatre halls. This was a place of artifice, created by a mind that lacked the imagination to add any sense of real depth. A mere stage whereon any matter of violence or obscenity could be played out to the delight of Mel Carisha. Did that make me? Simply one more actor, playing out a part that I had no control over, the thought was a chilling one. Its conclusion being that my capture, torture and death were inevitable. 
Whatever decisions I took to try and delay such a grim climax to my journey would be no more than the moderate changes of inflection that an actor can add to lines already written, never to be changed. In despair I looked from the landscape to my body. I was naked and filthy, smeared with dirt and blood and my fingernails cracked and bleeding from tearing at the soil. But my right hand had an extra wound that I had almost forgotten about, from which the thin scarlet ribbon spilled. The ribbon trailed through the grass for ten feet or so and then I could see no more of it. I determined then that I would not be a prop in another's game. I had come here by an act of free will, a free will shaped by reckless desperation, perhaps even stupidity, but free will nonetheless. This acknowledgement stopped me slipping further into despair and passivity, but it did not release me from other tangible worries. Hunger crawled and growled in my belly. My tongue was thick and heavy from lack of water and a sharp pain stabbed into my top gum. I put a finger into my mouth. Pain shot through my head when I touched something small and hard. With a grunt, I pinched the shard between my fingertips and pulled it out. Instantly, blood spurted into my mouth, its warm, coppery taste flowing like a balm over my tongue, easing my thirst. As I swilled the blood, the iron-zinc, protein-packed blood, around my dry mouth, I recalled the many foods made from blood, sausages, soups, pancakes, sauces. I had even heard of people who drank the raw blood of seals. But then, from my blood-tinted thirst and hunger, another foul vision arose. I saw monstrous hunters grunting and chewing, snapping bones to suck out the marrow, the eviscerated bodies of their victims lying around them. And me sat there, contently licking a heart and burping with satisfaction. No, I hissed at the false sky. I will not be tricked into becoming such a thing. I stood up, spat the blood from my mouth. I knew what I had to do, though it horrified me to think of it. I listened for a moment. Hearing no grunts or growls, I cautiously walked up towards the site of the slaughter. less than five minutes I came to the appalling scene of the night-time butchery. The beasts were gone, but the evidence of their foul feasting was strewn around the ground, bones glistening with meat, 
broken their ribs, wet like shipwrecks exposed at low tide, and here and there body parts still complete, as if in their eagerness to try a bit of everything, the monstrosities had casually cast aside a hand or a head. My eyes slammed shut, and nauseated and disoriented, I fell to my knees. But I would not flee until I had paid my respects to and offered prayers for the victims. I opened my eyes only to be confronted with a severed foot. My body trembled and my stomach turned, but I was powerless to turn away or even close my eyes. There I stayed kneeling and staring at that pale and lifeless object. It was stained and scratched, but beautiful and perfect in form. A woman's foot, a young woman, perhaps the woman who had screamed so high and so long last night. I opened my mouth, and a spot of my blood dripped onto the foot. I accepted that this was a fitting gift. With a cracked voice, I slowly spoke the very words that the Queen of the Universe once spoke, long before men and women and the pain we suffer had ever come into being. For we travel the path to birth and blood, where death and life both demand their pay. And which of them shall triumph, neither fools nor the wise can say. A few more drops of my blood spattered the foot, only to be diluted by my tears. I looked up once more to discover I was not alone. Standing a few yards from me was a strange creature. Though covered in scales, his body was human-like, the shape equivalent to a young woman. From its head protruded small horns, and its eyes were huge orbs. A thin, forked tongue flicked out from its mouth, and then the demon spoke. Breakfast time is over. It's time to move on so I can tidy up this mess. Thanks for listening to this latest episode of Marcus Marcus and Harding Harp. If you enjoyed the show, please tell all your friends and family and ancient enemies. You can also support my work by buying me a coffee. The details are in the episode notes. Uh, Stay tuned and stay safe. Keep your distance, wash your hands, wear your face masks.